Hello and welcome to the chat server Coffee with My Yoga Teacher, the eagerly awaited return of, because we've had uh, two months off, which was supposed to be less than that, but you know what life is like sometimes, but we're back and so we'll be back fortnightly for you know a good period of time hopefully, uh, there might be a break over August or something, but thank you for not unsubscribing and giving up during the fallow period. So, if you know if you don't know what this is, because you might not be a regular listener, this is a podcast where where I, comedian Peter Brush, talks to his yoga teacher, Kayla. It'll be about half an hour. There'll be some yoga related stuff. There'll be some comedy related stuff. But you know, it's sort of hopefully somewhat accessible and amusing, and you might learn something, or you'll get all of the already existing opinions you have just like thrown back at you, and that's always good, isn't it? So, right, shall we get on with it? You know, when you make popcorn, mm-hmm. like I would guess that maybe you don't like it when there's those kernels that haven't popped at the bottom. Okay, so I like the ones that partially pop. Oh, right, okay. I like the crunchy one. I'm weird like that. But if that ruins your joke, you can cut that out. No, no. Just... <laughs> well, so I quite like the ones that don't open at all. At all? Yeah. Okay. Not in terms of taste, but in terms of I feel more of a personal affinity to them. <laughs> Okay. Because it feels like when all the popcorn goes into the pan and some of them start expanding, it feels like all the ones that are expanding are just like following the crowd a bit, aren't they? Like <laughs> They're like, oh, wow, this is like a good idea. And then the ones that don't burst open are sort of saying, oh, slow down. Maybe we should because we don't know where this is going. And then they get their just rewards in the end, the ones that don't expand because they don't get eaten at the end, do they? That's right. So mm-hmm. I think that I sort of feel like when there's a craze going on, which is equivalent to the popcorn all like expanding and popping because they're like, oh, wow, mm-hmm. there's this cool new thing and we're all following each other. I'm like the kernels that don't open saying, listen, we should see where this goes, you know, have some objectivity. That's So that's, mm-hmm. I mean, I think if I say that on stage, I look like a idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going on holiday. You're going on holiday? In a couple of months, yeah. Where are you going? Cornwall. Okay. So they have a very different accent, don't they? Is it West West Country? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that what they call it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But obviously everywhere has got a different accent and such and yeah. such and such. I was thinking, I might just be thinking about this as a British person, but I think that the diversity of accents in the country in such a small kind of area, it feels like such a massive diversity in the types of accent considering the size of the geography. I would agree. So I don't know if that's my British English centricism sort of thinking that, oh, we must have that, but like everywhere else, every other country doesn't have the diversity of accents as we have. But I don't actually know that, do I? Because I don't live in another country. And maybe if I lived in France, I'd realise that there's as diverse an amount of accents in France as Mm. there are here. But it seems to me that, that it's really, really diverse like you know if you talk about like you know geordies and people in cornwall and yeah. you know southerners and brummies and scousers it's just mm. so there is it feels like it's really like i would want to know if there's such diverse but but because you are american i thought well, maybe you yeah noticed there's a massive diversity in accents in america that i couldn't pick up if if i wasn't regionally american 
Like in my head, Maybe. I'm like, I, bet, I know I what a New York accent sounds like, and I know what like a yeah. traditional Southern Texas sort of accent sounds like. Yeah. But there's probably loads of other like you could you know like if you lived in Georgia, it would just sound different to if you lived in North Carolina. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So, so I would say like there is like people always know like you could identify like oh that's a Southern accent. You're like in America, like a Southern drawl. But if you live in the south and you kind of travel around a bit so this isn't for everyone who lives there because you'd have to travel as well but i had friends that were from tennessee i had friends that were from georgia i lived in south carolina and then my family was northern so i never had a really strong southern drawl i never kind of adopted that as much which is why i don't have it now because i never had it and i could tell the difference between the states so I would say that probably the majority of people who are just coming in for a visit wouldn't be able to tell the difference between a Georgia accent and a Tennessee accent, whereas at the time, I could I could easily tell if they were from Tennessee or Georgia. So it'd be like the equivalent of someone from America trying to tell someone from Sunderland and Newcastle apart, maybe. Oh, God. I don't, I don't even, to be honest, I never even, I couldn't even tell the difference between any accents when I first came over. You all just sounded English. Well, that's interesting, because, that yeah, so that's what so I mean. I, like... I could tell the difference between Scottish, obviously, and, and, like, Irish, and there's really strong differences, but not, not the differences in, um, in the English variations. I found those a little bit harder to hear. I just couldn't hear them. It just all sounded English or whatever. So that backs up my suspicion maybe that we don't have as diverse a set of accents as any other country but we're more attuned to the differences if you live somewhere, maybe. Yeah, but also there's a lot of history between the regions so I think that helps as well. Yeah, it's true. You know, because you have that kind of like West Country or Geordie or whatever, you know, they have a strong history that goes back really far. So they're they're happy to keep the accent, you know, it doesn't get mingled or lost or whatever. Mm. Whereas you might not say like, oh, you need to have an accent if you're from Tennessee. It's the South has a Southern accent. It doesn't necessarily have to be different or have to be separate or whatever. Maybe. I remember finding out about accents when I was at school. Obviously, I'd heard accents before. I wasn't like... I was waiting to figure out how old you were going to say you were. I remember finding out about accents when I was seven years old. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, the, I mean the psychology of, it, of an accent. Oh, so, okay. like, you actually are doing it to sound like your peers. And then if you get one generation of people, the next generation tend to not sound exactly the same, even though in the same area, because you have some slight... Mm. rebelliousness or something or like just trying to distinguish yourself so so i think that i was taught in like english or something what that you tend to have a stronger or weaker like regional accent than your parents do i can't i don't know if that actually was literally happening i mean i don't have a very strong essex accent Mm. but that's probably just because i wanted to eradicate it (laughs) 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 but then it depends who you're hanging out with as well so if i go back and visit people from back home i do make do end up sounding more like them like obviously on a subconscious yeah. level i'm trying to fit in and that annoys me so much because that's an aff- I know. affront to my sort of individual it's like i try to distinguish myself from these people i don't want to sound like <laughs> you know but you, you get that when you visit america as well like yeah Swiss yeah I, I i pick my american accent up a lot stronger when i go home and i'll i'll even grab the odd drawl word yeah. you know as well from from the southern accent as well because i mean obviously i lived there for a really long time mm-hmm. so i would it's so easy to pick it back up when you when you're back in it and everybody's talking like that like i remember getting on the phone booking something i don't know booking something i don't know maybe a massage or something like that i booked something on the phone when i was back home one time and i just remember getting off the phone thinking god my accent was strong then yeah. what happened <laughs> like i put it on so strong when i was on the phone and i was thinking why did i do that <laughs> 
Yeah, it's ridiculous. Because I don't mind my my English tinge, you know, to to my accent. I don't I don't mind that at all. I think it's fine. So when I got back home and it was doing that, I was like, whoa, whoa, where did that happen? You don't sound that English to me. Yeah. No, I don't sound that English to you, do I? But I go home and everyone goes, you sound really English. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> it's weird to be attuned to things and like on that, but then objectively thinking, do you know what I mean? Mm. I kind of feel like I choose how I talk, but then you can't choose how you talk or you'd be thinking too much about what what you're doing rather than what you're saying. So I've just got to try and forget about it and let the words come out of my mouth. And sometimes they come out a bit more American than others and depending on who I'm around and stuff. So I try not to think about it too much. It's just that, that I know on a subconscious level I'm still trying to fit in or something. Mm. And I sort of think, I thought I was past that. I thought I was like a... You know, rock and roll, free spirit. I didn't care what people thought. And <laughs> yeah, here yeah. I am trying to sound like I'm from Romford when I visit Romford. It's just stupid. I just, <laughs> I don't know if, not that I, you know, I don't hate Romford, but I think, <laughs> I just think from yeah, a yeah. personal point of view, I was always wanting to get out and just do like the first opportunity and just like go somewhere else and just do start doing my own thing. You know, the place is arbitrary anyway. So I saw you liked a Facebook post I did the other day where I was talking about watching a documentary about a stand-up comedian recently. And I thought uh, it was quite inspiring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go. Have you, heard of Gar- have you heard of Gary Shandling? No, oh, you could say loads of famous names and I wouldn't hear of them because I don't remember names. Okay. <laughs> have you heard of the Larry Sanders show? It's a sitcom that was around in the 90s. In England? It's American. It's like a spoof chat show. Like it's behind the scenes of a chat show. But it's really good because all the characters are kind of like narcissistic and i think it's a lot of it's the neediness of people in show business i guess i guess probably why it appeals to me because i obviously know people that obviously i'm not needy even though i try and sound like everyone else i speak to <laughs> that sounds a thing. <laughs> anyway i think it's an excellent show no haven't heard of that either uh, okay i live down in the country our tv was very fuzzy <laughs> well you're watching carol burnett or something on there i used to watch jag jag i don't know what that is it's the people who are lawyers for the military. Oh, right. It was just a drama. Okay. You know? It's not a sitcom. Like I think, it? No, it's not, it's not a sitcom. It's not, it isn't funny. What else do you watch there in the South? Rawhide or something. <laughs> 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 and not that I forget, but I just assume everybody likes comedy, do you know? Because I always liked comedy. And so yeah. I assume that, well, people, when they watch things, when they're growing up and stuff, it's all sitcoms. And I suppose, like... Things like Fresh Prince of Bel Air, yeah, yeah, yeah. those there's those are considered. Yeah, I would say sitcoms, aren't they? I would they? say so. Yeah. So I like those. Obviously, I watch children shows. You know, like SpongeBob SquarePants. Does that count? Mm, it does. <laughs> oh, to be honest, we probably we watched movies because we didn't get TV. Like I said, our TV was really fuzzy, and you had to like hold the aerial up at a funny angle to get the station <laughs> but, and stuff like that. So. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought because you know, you're not like you know, you, you have your moments where you're vaguely amusing. I thought maybe you've been uh, some, somewhat inspired by, you know, something. Uh, I don't know, but. I'm inspired by a harsh life. Yeah, of, oh, right, okay, uh, you know, fuzzy that, yeah. tiny TV. <laughs> yeah. and, no, I'm joking. <laughs> so anyway, Larry Sanders show. Uh, the guy who made it was Gary Shandling, and he died a couple of years ago. But he was really into Zen philosophy and meditation and stuff, yeah. and so. I watched the documentary about him, which was called The Zen Diaries of Gary Shandling. Yeah. And there's loads of this, like, 
So I don't know, his own personal discovery and stuff, like he's got demons and stuff, but he sort of wants to be Zen and he meditates all the time and stuff and he says it helps him mm. as it helps him as a comic because it helps you be in the moment and stuff. And I sort of thought has it made me better? I sort of wondered. It probably has in some ways, but also difficult to chart because you should always be getting better at something you're doing anyway, shouldn't you? Because you should mm. always but uh don't think I've got an end product to, to that really. Well to, I was just <laughs> Well, I well, I would say like um, if you're more zen or that kind of way, if you're more chill and you're more accepting and you're more logical and things, then potentially you'll continue to do something even if you've had a bad experience because you're more uh, more likely to be able to accept that as like a one-off kind of. I wouldn't failure is a quite a strong word, but you know what I mean—a one-off little mistake. Whereas if you if you're not kind of that way inclined, there's a chance that you might kind of go over that little failure in your head until it's no longer a little failure and it's an absolutely ginormous failure, and, and then you won't continue and you won't you won't be what you are now because you never continued past the the learning curve of of getting somewhere or something like that. Maybe. Yeah, I guess so because obviously, like. Not it's ever my fault, but sometimes the shows aren't good. And I, but that's never your fault. No, no. <laughs> Always with the room's too big. The room size, you know, little tiny <laughs> things that just like make it not perfect. <laughs> but yeah, like yeah. I've had some dickheads at shows recently, just like giving me grief and stuff. I'm so glad that's not something that I have to deal yeah, with. In yeah, yeah. The most I have to deal with in yoga class are people sneaking out in shavasana, but that's it. Well, count yourself lucky. Could be worse. <laughs> I don't judge them for sneaking away. I just, that's like the most disruptive thing though that happens, I think. I, I don't get anyone heckling me, thank God. <laughs> that would be awful. Could you imagine? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not like the heckling I've had recently is uh, people interrupting before a punchline with what they think the punchline is going to be. Oh. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. Like, I keep saying it's not a quiz. <laughs> I like that. That's good. It's not quite. I've put as if I haven't put four into what the end of the sentence is going to be. So irritating because then it just ruins the joke. Then because you can't build up the rhythm again and stuff very easily, and just mm. I just had loads of that. So if I wasn't Zen, I wouldn't be able to just put that out of my mind. Because as you can tell from me just then, yeah. I'm not even bothered about it. I'm not even. Yeah, you're <laughs> not, not bothered. Not, even, not at all. Not angry at all. About <laughs> Yeah, because I, I think I've posted about that one. Because one of the guys got chucked out for heckling loads, like interrupting I think everything. I remember reading about yeah. someone and then being chucked out. When he was out, being yeah. chucked out, he said he was doing it to help the help the comedian's personal development. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was, was it. Like, I was like, oh what well, the hell? thanks. I didn't realise you were being so benevolent. <laughs> <laughs> but as I say, I'm Zen, so I don't bother thinking about that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, for yeah, I'm really Zen. <laughs> Don't get too high, don't get too low. That's why. That's what I say. All right, yeah. there you go. So there I have learned, even though it sounds like. For the record, I'm only for the recording, dramatizing my anger, like so that, <laughs> so that it makes a better recording. I'm actually so relaxed and nonplussed about the whole thing. Like, well, that's the other thing from like an audience's perspective. Like, I remember. I mean, it's completely different. Obviously, it's not comedy, but like, mm. I went to a show and it was like I don't know. I think it was a magic show, something like that. One of my friends was in it. So I was like, oh, okay, I'll go to your magic show. So um, went to the magic show and I did it. And that was that. And I thought, oh, that was interesting, whatever. Not not Broadway, but okay. <laughs> you know, it was it was a thing. <laughs> well, you're going to judge um, everything by that standard. <laughs> well, yeah, I judge everything yeah. by Broadway. But it wasn't Broadway, but it was all right. <laughs> but then afterwards, well, obviously I went round to the back to see my friend who was in it. And the people they had pulled from the audience was in the back. 
And I was like, oh, it was all part of the show. And that kind of ruined it a little bit. Because then it was like, oh, well, none of, none of it was real. Not, I mean, I know it wasn't real, real. I know it was like, obviously, a fake magic, you know. I know what magic shows are like. Mm. But it was just, it, it ruined it even more to know that the people they were pulling from the audience were just people that they were part of the show, in a sense. Whether they were friends or whatever, it didn't matter. They were all they're all in on it or whatever and it's like oh all right well that's not very good mm. so like from an audience pers- perspective if you know that that's something that that shows do that they can that they have people in the audience to help keep it going and to to set a scene and to, to make things right then you might not assume that the person who's causing a problem is actually a person causing a problem <laughs> you know i think that that would probably have merit if the heckler was contributing to the Mm. show like there i have seen shows where people have had plants in the crowd for comedic purposes but i think it's quite obvious from the uh very poor interactions of the people getting involved yeah like i've hired a very very poor plant in that (laughs) 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 like he really needs to brush up a little bit on his uh yeah i think it's very interesting there because i'm quite a um obviously you never see me do comedy so you don't (laughs) but Oh. One day, mm. I, I can't go now because now I'll put you off. I have to just turn up and hide in the back so you don't know I'm there. It wouldn't put me off if there were hundred people there. Wouldn't that? Would it? Huh? Not <laughs> at the front, heckling you yeah, <laughs> really yeah, badly. Yeah. <laughs> That's not true. I know in real life. <laughs> <laughs> what a load of dosh. Yeah. <laughs> There's a romantic idea of you. Sort of almost alluded to it earlier on, you know, they have this idea of comedy coming out of adversity and like difficult time. Mm. That's what you make them. So, if there's this idea that if you're maybe if you're if you became truly zen, you wouldn't like you'd lose the ability to be be funny because you'd be so content and happy that you wouldn't have any things that I don't know if that's actually true, but I think there's like, like, I think that's kind of like, I think, would I lose my wit for? Like if I was like truly zen-like, I don't know. I mean, I I would say that I don't agree with that. Yeah. I would say that part of being human is having emotions, and even if you you want to be like, even if you say you're going to try and be Buddha, that's like saying Buddha never smiled or something. Like it's a bit odd of an idea to think, and it's not. It's, I would say it's not actually true i'm not saying you would be like the best comedian on the planet if you if you go zen but i mean like saying that you're going to lose your sense of humor and not and not have that and just not be funny and not i just think that that probably is not going to you you are who you are yeah you know, i think it's are, uh, to be honest i think it's the work because jerry mm. seinfeld and and gary shanding are both zen characters they both like mm. sort of practice the art of zen in their own way but they also the story is that when they used to do the comedy store in LA in the seventies and stuff, they were the ones with notebooks that like continually rewrote and actually worked their asses off. Yeah. So that's probably more important is the work. But there's this romantic idea that you need to have, because like, I do know people that like the only thing that they've got that they can focus on is their act, but everything else is a mess. So that's sort of like a distraction. So I think there's an idea that that's what you kind of need to have like a te- terrible like social life and like unhappiness so that you can be creative no no so i just at one there was a weird point where i was sort of thinking like if i'm sorting my brain out and sorting my head out i was thinking is that gonna mean i'm not gonna be able to do this anymore if i'm like i'm gonna be so zen i'm gonna have to go go sit with the monks instead and <laughs> exactly so there's a there, gary shaman did a joke about buddha in the show he said like uh, buddha couldn't get married because like 
His wife would just be like, what are you doing? Just sitting around the house all day. <laughs> it's like, I like that. I'm, just, I'm meditating. So why don't you meditate the trash out? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I like that's that. good. It's not my joke, but yes, Gary. Yeah, it's Gary yeah, Shane is very, very. He's so funny. So, do you want to tell me about nerve flossing? What that is? Yeah. So, did you do the nerve flossing class? No. You've so you've not done the nerve flossing, and you don't know what it is at all. No, is that right? I know what flossing okay. your teeth is, and I know what the provocative dance is. <laughs> Provocative? Hmm. <laughs> well, it might not be twerking, but it's like, it feels to me in the ballpark flossing a bit. It is a bit provocative, isn't it? Well, it's provocative as any dance, I suppose. Well, maybe. Uh, I suppose if you think about it like that, I guess any dance, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, basically, nerve flossing, and, and this is new to me as well. This is something that I've recently come across and recently started exploring more in my personal practice and I found it really useful. So basically you're, just as you can imagine like tendons, you know, connecting to a bone and then to a muscle or, or bone to bone tendons and ligaments. And you can kind of imagine that they move and they move around and they do stuff. Well, your nerves do that as well. So especially big, chunky nerves. So obviously you've got your spinal cord, which is just full of nerves all the way down. And then you have like, say, your sciatic nerve that comes out the base of the spine and goes down your legs. So you've got, you know, one on each side. And you've got, um, say, your medial and ulnar nerve going down the arm and in, in the arm down to the hand. Those nerves, they should move just like anything else in the body. So you kind of think like, oh, certain things should hold still or something, but you, you, some nerves can even move up to like a few centimeters. So, and when I say move, I mean like through the tissue. So your nerve comes, like say it comes down the arm into like near the wrist and that kind of area. Well, if you were to like take your hand back, the nerve should lift up. And if you take your hand forward, the nerve should you know, get some slack, if you know what I mean. You know, so, so basically that nerve should move just like your muscles change position and just, and it actually slides through the tissue back and forth. So nerve flossing is trying to take specific movements in the body so that nerve will move back and forth. It's not stretching because you can stretch your nerves. To some extent, there's no point, if that makes sense. I've never read anywhere that, oh, you should stretch your nerves. It's really healthy for them. It's just a sensation you can feel when you're stretching a nerve. So I wouldn't, you're not trying to stretch the nerve when you're flossing. You're just trying to move it. So a really good kind of example is if you take your hand out to the side, like a, like you straighten your arm out to the side at like a T shape, like that kind of shape with your arms. And then you take the fingers back behind you and you start to take the arm back behind you as well you usually will feel a sensation down the arm and in the hand, in the palm and around the fingers. And a lot of the time, and obviously it's, it just depends on different people, but that's probably not going to be a muscle stretch. That's most likely going to be your, your nerve stretch. So what you can do instead is to is to take the hand back, but then take the head. So if you take the right fingertips back behind you, take the right ear towards the shoulder, and you won't feel that nerve stre stretch anymore because that nerve connects into the neck and the head. Should have been copying so then you while you, you were doing that. I really shouldn't. Yeah, go on, give it a try. <laughs> I'm expecting everyone to be copying me right now. As I just, <laughs> have you not got space? Well, no, we'll do. Hang on, no. So right arm out to the side, straight in line. Like you're a shoulder. traffic warden. Yeah. <laughs> Not a warden, Take like a the... police traffic sort of whatever, yeah. 
Yeah, like turn yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> and then take the fingers back behind you, like you're gonna press the palm away, but make sure the the palm is now facing out. So the palm would be facing forward, and then you turn the hand to take the fingers behind you, and then you'll feel that stretch there, that sensation in the arm. So it will probably for me, I feel it mostly around the wrist and the palm, but it depends on like where it might feel tight for you, but. I wouldn't be surprised if it was the hand because we use our hands a lot for typing and on our phones and stuff. And then take the right ear towards the shoulder and that should lessen. If it hasn't, take the hand forward more. So don't take the whole arm forward slightly so that you don't overstretch back here behind you. Keep it in line with the shoulder or forward slightly. And then you can do the opposite. So take the hand, make a fist and tuck the fist in a little bit towards the inside of the arm and then take the left ear towards the left shoulder. And then basically you just go back and forth like that. Open the hand, take the fingers back, the right ear towards the right shoulder, and then tuck it in, go the other way. And basically what you do here, when you're kind of going back and forth like this, is you take that nerve through the tissue in the arm and the hand. And there's other techniques you can add to it. I'm going to rest my arm now. <laughs> there's other techniques you can add to it. I can't my arm now. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> What have you done? <laughs> and, and you can go both ways as well. So you could do both sides at the same time, specifically with that one, because the hands are going in opposite directions to the head. So right. you could do that one at the same time. So in class, I did that in our Warrior 2, mm. I believe. We were in our Warrior 2, and you can do that. And again, credit where credit's due. I've been studying this recently with another teacher who introduced me to the topic, and it's been really interesting. And, and she mentioned that you do have to be careful if you start to look up the idea of nerve flossing or nerve gliding online, because it's not very good. They just, people just make crap up, okay. apparently. And I know because I've looked it up. So basically, your nerve attaches to one spot, and it attaches to another spot, and you never, you don't want to stretch it when you're nerve flossing. You just want to wiggle it around back and forth. So like you want to make sure that you're pulling. Teeth, you know, like the, exactly. Like floss, yeah. Just just back and forth. So in ways, if you look something up and then you think, right, the nerve attaches here and the nerve attaches here and then they want me to do this and pull them apart, well, surely your brain's going to go, well, that's going to stretch. That's not going to floss. So if you know the anatomy of what you're trying to do, it's kind of okay to find something. But if you don't know where the nerves are attaching and you're just doing exercises, you could come across some some things that are just not nerve flossing. There's something, but they're not nerve flossing. Right. <laughs> so I would be mindful of Googling as all well, is basically what I mean. It's not just in that is it not just in the arm, but is it every nerve in the body. So you can floss the spinal cord by doing your cat cows and taking the neck and the head in the opposite direction that you would normally do to the spine. So you know how we round through the back and tuck the chin? Well, if you round through the back, tuck the chin, and then lift the chin and, and keep the back rounded, that pulls through the, through the spinal cord. It kind of pulls the nerves slightly. But nothing should hurt. Nothing should tingle. There should be no zinging. There should be no numbness. It should always feel just, just well, to be honest, when you're nerve flushing, it should feel like nothing. Because you shouldn't feel the nerve because you're just moving it around. You're not trying to irritate it. So that's why it's actually particularly good for issues like sciatica. Because if your sciatica is related to the fact that the nerve is pinched in the muscle, which I would say a lot of the time it is, but that's not all. That's not always. Sometimes it can be related to like discs in the spine and stuff like that. So be mindful that obviously if you have an issue, you need to talk to a doctor. <laughs> but assuming exercise helps your sciatic or something like that, the nerve flossing might help that because it gets that nerve moving and it's no longer pinched through the, the hip joint and stuff usually. 
around the glutes and the piriformis muscle and all that. <laughs> so that's the one of the reasons to do it. Are there any other reasons to do? Well, you want to keep your nervous system quite healthy. So if you if your people with uh, carpal tunnel syndrome can probably do to nerve loss. Also, a lot of the time when we have nerve pain in the body, the body has in a way, incorrectly interpreted the sensation coming from the nerves. So sometimes if you are able to move and stretch it out and in a sense kind of meditate a little bit on what's going on there, you could sometimes kind of talk yourself into the fact that it doesn't hurt. Like, I mean, there's that's obviously quite um, far out there maybe <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. But uh, but the idea is that you're trying to stop the nerve from if you have if you suffer from nerve pain like and and that is a unique type of pain, it can help sometimes depending on what kind of nerve pain. So when I had whatever it is I had a viral infection in my nervous system, that was not going to be treatable with movement. That wasn't going to help. That wasn't the problem. If you have sciatica, so you sit all day at your computer and then it hurts, it'd probably be helpful to, to do some nerve flossing. That would loosen it up and maybe unpinch it, and maybe perhaps it would feel a lot more comfortable and you wouldn't kind of suffer from such strong pain. So it does depend on what kind of nerve pain you're talking about, obviously. I, I really enjoyed the nerve flossing class. I think I did, I'll have a look at my notes. I did six different types of flossing which focused on like six different nerves in the body, so six different main nerves, so like your ones in your wrists and your hands, your hips, your spinal cord. It was just really interesting. It was really, it was really it was really a good thing to focus on. And and at a risk of sounding a bit like a salesman, <laughs> I um I, I really feel like I've started doing one of them that this other teacher introduced me to and it really 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 has helped my static pain or whatever you want to call it. I've never mm. I've never been to a doctor with it, so I don't I wouldn't 100% say it was sciatica. It's more like issues with my piriformis muscle, but um it doesn't like if I do it it helps. But it does take like you you do the exercises, you have to do at least 10. So like you and I were saying take the hand back, take it forward, hand back and forward. You have to do that at least 10 times to move the nerve around obviously or it's not moving very much. And it starts to loosen up. But I would say go for like 20 if you're not too tired or something. You know, go for quite a lot. And then it can take hours to feel the difference, which is weird. Because you would imagine that something, like if you were to stretch and touch your leg, touch your feet and have a yoga class, you would feel a difference before the end of the class. You know, you'd feel a bit more flexible. You'd feel a bit like maybe the muscles have relaxed or something like that. But that's not going to be the case with nerve flossing. It can take ages before you actually feel the effects of, of loosening that kind of nerve and getting it to calm down or whatever. But it challenges your coordination. All of, all of the things you're like trying to do things and maybe head in your hand at the same time, but not, not in the wrong way because then that will stretch it. And so <laughs> Any questions? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, I'm going to caveat all of this with I'm new to it and this is my experience of it so no judging please <laughs> thanks so much for listening I hope you enjoyed the show and if you did we'll see you in two weeks uh, if you weren't sure you can still find another episode in two weeks because there will be an episode in two weeks irrespective of your opinions on this and previous ones but hopefully we'll see you then so please stay subscribed and uh, if you want to help us out, tell your friends about the show. We'd love more people to know about it. And I've heard people be ex- very explicit on this point, and maybe it works. If you really want to help, 
please give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts because apparently that really, really helps you sort of up the charts and algorithms and all that stuff. But that's, I mean, it's, it's your call, obviously. I'm not like, if you're not ready to do that yet, I fully understand. It's a very, it's potentially a bold thing to ask and for you to do. So, I get it. Right, have a lovely day.